0: Thanks for downloading the podcast. I'm Deanna Fletcher. And if you haven't already, hit subscribe now so you don't ever miss out on great conversations, interviews and just general fun times. Now, it's a new year and many of us have vowed to make this the year we complete that task. Learn that language, get fit or take up the new hobby we've always been keen to try. Perhaps for you, this is the year you're determined to learn to cook. Well, apparently, there's a lot more that goes into the art of cooking than just knowing how to make great food and ingredients and things like that. How do you break into groups that are perhaps tight-knit and create community when you've moved to a new place, for example? Well, according to my guest today, the answer may lie largely in consistently laying a table, creating space for people, pushing past a need for everything to be perfect and the simple practice of extending an invitation. It's so much more than cooking. Brie McCoy is the author of Come and Eat, a celebration of love and grace around the everyday table, which is out now. And she writes regularly on her food blog, oursavourylife.com. Brie hasn't always had a passion for food, though, as she describes herself as more of an accidental
1: cook. Well, I did not start cooking or even learn to cook until after I got married, and that was at age 26, and basically, I just figured that we would eat out every night, <laughs> and my husband, after about you know three months of this, my husband sat me down and was like, yeah, the budget isn't going to support this, and we need to learn how to cook.
0: And neither and is my so, waistline. You're, you, that's not going to support yeah. eating out every night either.
1: Exactly. Yeah, he actually did say, you know, I'm in the he's in the military. And so he did say, uh, I have like a standard of physicality I need to be in. and So basically, what happened is I started serving hot dogs like every night. <laughs> and then and then that wasn't working for us. And so I just, I just got a cookbook and, and I started to cook. And I really thought that the reason I would be cooking was just to feed us so we wouldn't go hungry. But I after about 4 months really fell in love with it and it became kind of an outlet for me. And that's where my journey began.
0: An outlet for what do you think?
1: Well, at first it became an outlet of ending my workday because I worked from home and I'm an extrovert and so it was really hard for me to stay at home all day. This happened after I got married. We moved to a different state. And so the company I worked for said, well, how about you just start working from home? And I started doing that, but I found it really hard to kind of separate home from work, from rest. And so right around dinner time, I would enter the kitchen and I kind of felt this reprieve and I could feel the shift of, okay, now it's, it's home time and it's it's time to rest. I also found that as I was cooking, I would pray a lot. My thoughts would just wander. And so I really felt the pleasure of God while I was cooking. And then eventually we started having people over for meals and found that We were able to feed the community around us, and it was around a meal and a table that we really were able to dive into community with other people, especially because we're military family. That could be hard for us. We move all the time, and so that is where we discovered, oh my goodness, we can form bonds and relationships with people around us just by bringing them into our homes for a meal.
0: I love that you spend time praying and talking to God while cooking because why not? You're doing yes. things with your hands. It's kind of naturally where your mind can go. Your mind can go to other things. But I would be afraid of losing track of how many stock cubes I'd put in or like I'm, I'm one of those a little bit absent-minded people at times. I would fully lose track of what I was doing.
1: Yes. I didn't really know what I was doing. So that's probably why my mind was able to wander. (laughs) So it doesn't matter. I was just like, oh yeah, a little bit of garlic, a little bit of this. In fact, a lot of those times, if I wasn't praying, I was on the phone with my mom. Like, how do you, uh, I mean, it was so basic. I'd be like, how do you make garlic bread? How long do I boil noodles for? That's how basic.
0: Pardon, but I've never made garlic bread in my life. I buy it from the shop. (laughs) I'm impressed already.
1: Yes. Well, my mom makes amazing garlic bread. And so I was like, I am going to rise to the occasion. And I didn't even know where to start.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing your candor with us. I already feel better (laughs) about my lack of cooking skills. We're going to get to your life as as a military wife in a few moments. First, though, I do think what you've mentioned there about learning to cook when you got married, that is so incredibly common. It doesn't matter what age you are. A lot of people really only don't don't bother to learn to cook unless we have someone else at home. So it's when they get married or when, it, or you know, maybe when they have a different housemate that moves in that they want to cook for. Basically, you don't cook unless you absolutely have to, especially if you live in a busy city. You, you just buy stuff quickly. So what top tips do you have for new wives or husbands looking to impress with their lack of cooking skills, trying to impress their new partner?
1: It really was a situation where I was backed into a corner and that's why I learned to cook. <laughs> I would say some things that really helped me is I really shifted my focus from the extraordinary appeal of the meal to realizing that I'm the person that is needs to show up to the table more so than my food. And so I really took a simplistic approach to cooking. I didn't try to come out the gate, you know, making a big roast chicken my first time or any like any five course meal. I was doing some really really simple things. I um, got a cookbook. And just really followed the cookbook to a T. And it's hard to mess up a recipe, I think, if you're really, like, following the steps. And so it was very simple. It was usually 30-minute meals. And I took pressure off of how is this meal going to turn out. It's more about who I'm bringing to my table and how I'm going to love on them while they're at my table. I have had many meals at my table that were not that delicious especially in those first few years, but I just served it anyway and thought, you know what, I'm going to show up, Jesus is going to show up, these people are going to show up, and and this is my offering.
0: But see, that's so incredible and so true that food really does bring us together. You, You do write, as you've been talking to me about today, you also write online and in your cookbooks about gathering around the everyday table. So what does that mean to you?
1: Yes. So the everyday table is something that I also had to come to grips with. I really felt that when we bring people to our table, it's because of a celebration or it's because of some kind of occasion. And I I, really, Jesus is the one who changed my perspective on that because I started seeing in the gospels all the times that he was showing up to the table around a meal just every day. You know, it didn't have to be a special occasion. And realizing that, hey, I'm making food every day anyway for my husband and myself. Why not invite someone over? It doesn't have to be special. It doesn't have to be a big hoopla. You know, we could be having something as simple as like chicken noodle soup and, and bringing them every day to our table and not just trying to limit the times that we're bringing people on our table. And so that for me also meant like, it doesn't matter if my house is clean. It doesn't matter, you know, if I forgot some ingredients. I've had that happen actually recently, and it was like the people are still coming over. We're not canceling. Um, it's just continuously showing up every day.
0: Wow, you are brave to have people around your house when you know full well that it's not clean. So <laughs> many people though would cancel because because they've oh I've had a busy day. I'm tired. My house isn't. I can't. If there'll be little things that make you cancel or make you just think I can't do that today. So you're saying push ahead anyway, and prioritize being there for people, regardless of whether you think your life is super together or not at that point.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's really when you kind of see Jesus come through, is, is when you don't have all of that together. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I had planned to make this really special meal for some of my close girlfriends that were going to come visit. My husband was out of town. And I was so excited about this. I had talked it up to them, and, and we were just going to have this really beautiful night, and about it, the meal takes like three hours cause it's in the oven for an hour and a half. And right at the last minute I realized I was missing a main ingredient. And so I in, in a rush just ran out the door to get this ingredient and locked myself out of the house. Oh, and man. so I'm locked out of the house. I don't have the ingredient I need. I was making pasta alla vodka and I did not have the vodka. <laughs> and so I, I was, I was completely like, what do I do? Um, someone who had had a spare key, I thought, they'll be back with the spare key. It'll be fine. They never showed up. So about 20 minutes before my girls were supposed to arrive, and I'm sitting on the front porch just like, well, they're showing up. And not only do I not have food, I can't get into my house. I text them and said, Hey, just a little FYI tonight might look a little different. I can't get into my house. I don't have the main ingredient for the dish. And they were like, okay, cool. We'll be there. We're we're still coming. And they came and it is one of my favorite memories. We, we actually found an open window and I climbed through, they came in. (laughs) You found one or
0: you made an open window. (laughs) You (laughs) created one.
1: We may have kicked something through, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it's one of my favorite memories. And if I wouldn't have... Allowed them to still come over in my mess, I would not have that memory.
0: What are some of the stories or some of the incidences that have occurred around a table for you that have been a surprise where you've laid a table, not entirely sure what's going to go down? Maybe you were in the mood, maybe you weren't in the mood, but it's it's ended up being a really memorable occasion. I would think that a lot of stories and a lot of conversation happen around the dinner table.
1: Oh, yes. There's one story um, that I will always cherish, and it's about a Bible study my husband and I had chosen to host, and we were really excited about it, but for a few months as the Bible study was going on, we realized people just weren't really opening up, and we were meeting the leader of the Bible study wanted us to meet around 8 p.m., so after dinner time. And three months in, Jeremy and I realized, you know, we don't know anything about the people we've been meeting with for three months except, you know, their favorite weather and what foods they don't eat, um, which is a typical, you know, conversation that you can have. But it wasn't going any deeper than that. And so we reached out to our Bible study leader and asked if we could start meeting around a meal and that Jeremy and I would provide everything. People just, all they had to do was show up. And thankfully, he agreed to that. And the first, night that we met over a meal, the people in the Bible study opened up to us about such horrific things they were going through that we did not even realize like that they were walking through, you know, someone was walking through a divorce. Another one was walking through a miscarriage. Another one was walking through infertility. And we had never, for three months, we had been meeting and none of this had ever come up. And then the minute we fed them a meal, it was like something broke open in them. And that's why we believed, so much in bringing people to the table. And I think that's really what Jesus showed us as well.
0: Yeah, and the interesting thing about the Bible stories that we read, there are so many stories in the Bible of Jesus and his disciples and various people coming together in various people's houses, having a meal, and the conversation is recorded and perhaps who was there, but what they ate, not so much. So as exactly. a cook... Uh, how important is the food that we serve all that important? Like, does it make you feel like, oh, it doesn't really matter because it's really the conversation is the end product and the fact that people feel welcome, that's the end product.
1: I honestly do not think the meal matters that much at all. I really think I've seen amazing things happen around our table when all we had was, you know, some cheese out and some crackers. And I've seen amazing things happen around our table when we've had, you know, a huge feast. And so I really think, like you mentioned, you know, we don't know what Jesus was eating. That's not the point of the story. It's the point was always like the people that were around the table, the healing that occurred around the table, the blessings. And so I think that you can bring whatever you have and you don't have to be an amazing cook. You don't even, I mean, takeout. you can do takeout. I think the most important thing you're bringing to the table is yourself and God will honor, honor it from there.
0: Well, that's just so valuable. And even one of the other things that can be really difficult for people on a practical level, and I've know many people who've stressed out about this, especially if you, I mean, even if you have a lot of cooking ability, but if you have little to no cooking ability like me, when you have people around and you're having a dinner party and you're kind of like a young adult, so you're sort of just getting into this kind of whole dinner party thing. You're getting a bit older, you're having people around. And nowadays, everyone's like gluten intolerant or paleo or vegetarian or vegan. It's Like, how do I create a space that's welcoming to everyone without driving myself absolutely batty before they come because they all have different dietary
1: requirements? Like, how do you manage that? That is so true. And actually, in my book, I have 21 recipes. They're weeknight meal recipes. And they're all paleo optional. And the reason I did that is because a lot of people nowadays have gone gluten-free or paleo or Whole30. And so I wanted to create really simple meals that where you know you can turn it paleo by just omitting these few ingredients it's still going to taste great um so i always have those kind of recipes in my arsenal of just like you know i can i can meet this really quickly i already have these weeknight meal ideas and then the other thing is especially when entertaining new guests i have done um like i'll just reach out to them and just say hey you know i'd love to have you over for a meal do have any dietary restrictions and not being afraid of trying. I just had um, some friends over last week and they're all vegetarian and I'm not. In fact, I would say most of my meals have meat in them and I just Googled some good vegetarian recipes and I think being okay to take that step and, and not being afraid to just say, Hey, I, I mean, it was the simplest meal. I just, it was just like spaghetti squash and some marinara sauce, but they felt so loved And I felt like, hey, I can I can make this. So feel free to ask. I always ask. I never try to figure it out. (laughs) I'm like, feel free to ask. And then a lot of times also what will happen is they might say, hey, you know, I've had some people say like, hey, I'm going to bring my own food just because I have a lot of restrictions. Please don't worry about it. And I think that's great as well.
0: So it's really about laying a table in whatever that looks like, whatever form that looks like, um, whether it's people bringing in their own food or cooking up a scrumptious meal or doing something quick or getting takeout. It's about people coming together, really, and the amazing stories and conversations and, um, I guess, God moments that can come out of it.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. I think if we can just be and I really had to do this myself and actually I still have to do this um, before we have people over, my husband and I just kind of take a moment to remind ourselves because I'm I am definitely not perfect. In fact, I come from a place of like I struggle with perfection and I do want my house to be so clean and I want the meal to be amazing. And when everyone leaves, I want them to be like, that was the best thing we ever ate. And so I really have to take a moment to just remind myself, this is not about me. This is about the people God is bringing to my table. This is about God showing up and I'm going to, I'm going to show up and do my best, but I'm really leaving a lot of the heavy lifting to God.
0: I think a lot of people would be in that same situation as you though. A lot of people struggle with perfectionism uh, not just the striving for excellence but genuinely perfectionism. A lot of people feel under pressure for whatever reason that things do have to look perfect, be perfect Um, but also the whole Instagram culture is that when people come over they're going to take photos, it has to look ready for photos and it's this unnecessary pressure, it's this unnecessary kind of anxiety and stress that we put ourselves through that probably no one's putting on us that for whatever reason we're putting on ourselves so So what's your journey been like in trying to overcome that and still just be free and open enough to have someone around when you don't feel like your house is 100% in order? Because the chances are if I came to your house right now and you thought it was dirty, I wouldn't think anything of it. That's usually me when people say, oh, excuse my house. And I'm like, seriously, it's just me. I'm super laid back. I'm not bothered. I'm here to see you. I'm not bothered if your dishes are done or not. If anything, I'll probably volunteer to do the dishes. So how have, what's your journey looked like in trying to overcome that kind of obstacle for your life personally?
1: Yes. Okay. So basically the catalyst for when this happened, I have one very specific moment and it was about two years into Jeremy and I, you know, learning to cook and bringing people into our home. We were having some people into our house who had just gotten back from deployment. And so I really wanted to make a very special meal for them. And so I was, I was cooking this big meal and I was running around. I was cleaning the house and I was, I was doing everything. I felt like, like 10 things at once, you know, mashing potatoes while also trying to figure out how to take out the trash. And Jeremy had come into the kitchen and he just very sweetly asked, you know, what can I help you with? And I exploded. I exploded and I was like, I need the trash out and I need the blinds open and you need to set the table and, you know, just like da 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 And he looked at me a little startled and he just said, you know, very graciously to me, I thought that you liked entertaining and bringing people into our home. And I was like, I do. And, and he said, well, why are you so stressed out about it? And that really, God really used that to change my heart because I realized a few things in that moment. The first thing was I was making it all about me. And at the end of the day, what I really wanted to happen was for them to love me and to love my home. And I wanted them to leave at the end of the night and say to me, that was the best meal I've ever had. And really all of those things were centered on me. Um, And then the second thing was, wait, I really do enjoy bringing people into my home. Why, Why is it causing me so much stress? And worry and so I just started praying about it and letting God go to work on my heart and that's really where I started realizing okay first of all it's not about you when you bring someone into your home it's about them feeling loved it's about them leaving feeling heard and not about your meal and also it was just unnecessary stress like you said um I don't think people realize when my house is dirty or not <laughs> I have gone into so many people's homes myself and I've left and and they've texted me like, sorry, the house was a mess. And I was like, I didn't even realize that. I just had such a rich, fulfilling conversation with you. Your house was literally the last thing on my mind. And so, so those are the few things that changed in me and just continuing to pray before we bring people into our home that God will, you know, make sure that the focus is off of me and that I can honor him and really show up for the people who he's bringing into my home.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit, as you've been talking about setting the table, the way you met your husband, a little controversial or a a little different for some, but certainly your friend, you'll see what I'm doing here, (laughs) lay the table for you uh, in the sense that your friend was like, "Um, I've met the guy you're going to marry. And if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, mm, I think I'm capable of choosing myself. Thanks. Or God can speak to me directly. Thanks. Uh, what was your reaction when your friend said, this is the dude you're
1: going to marry? I know him. I've met him. And you hadn't met him before. Oh, the exact same reaction you would have had. I I was just completely turned it down immediately and said, uh, I don't think so. Um especially when she started explaining him to me, he had already lived in Florida and I was living in Colorado and he was in the military and he was getting ready to deploy. And I just completely wrote it off and just thought that I don't even understand why in the world you would think that he would be my husband. And, and then a few weeks later she actually ended up sharing it with him. Cause I think she realized, okay, no, I'd be so <laughs> upset. I'd be like, Dude, no, <laughs> calm down. I know I, she was so on a mission and he, he had this exact same reaction. He, he said, no, thanks. Um, and, and you know, she just said, you, you guys need to meet, you need to meet was her meeting. Like you just need to meet. And I said, I had originally said no thanks. And then she went to him and she's like, you really need to meet, uh, Brie. and And he said, no, thanks. He said, you know, I'm getting ready to deploy. Girls are the last thing on my mind right now. And so we both she, so to her, she, she thought, this isn't happening. Uh, but I ended up coming over to her home one day and she was Skyping him because they're really good friends. And we met on Skype and we were really interested in each other. <laughs> so we just started talking from there. And so it is crazy. It worked out that way.
0: Basically online dating, but through the initial contact being a friend who actually knew you both and thought you would get on. Yes. Well, I love that. Let's talk a little bit though about the fact that you—you've already mentioned a couple of times your husband was looking to deploy when you first heard of each other. So the whole time that you've been together as husband and wife, also through your courtship, he's been in the military. He's been involved in the military. What does the reality of I'm I, and I and I know. F- that a lot of people talk about um, the disappointment of marriage in the sense that marriage doesn't look like you think it's going to look in your head. We always build it up. It's not the other person's fault, but we make it out to be something it's not, it's just not going to look the way we envision it in our minds. So what has the reality looks like of being the wife of somebody who spends a lot of time overseas serving their nation, putting themselves in harm way? What's the reality of that life look like, feel like?
1: Well, it is very harsh. That it is very hard. It's it's never gotten easier. It's and it's never fun to say goodbye to your husband. He was just deployed this past summer, and and so you know we've had to really we've had to do the communication thing really well because especially when we are dating and into marriage, when he deploys, you know, three to six months at a time, you can't just be like, okay, catch you on the flip side. We've had to really learn like, okay, we need to be intentional about communication. We need to be intentional about being very honest and open with each other. And I think something that has really kept us, you know, getting stronger and stronger through it is the fact that the minute when we move somewhere different, we just moved to California two years ago from South Carolina and our prayer is always about our neighbors and as soon as we move we dig deep fast because we know we're only going to be here for a few years so originally i had thought oh we're only going to be here for 2 years why are we going to spend all this energy trying to find a church trying to find community when we're just going to get up and leave but we realized very quickly that our marriage needs that community very very desperately and so we that's what i love so much about bringing people to the table as soon as we move we know that it's integral to our marriage that we have people in our lives pouring into us, people we're pouring into, especially when Jeremy is deployed. And so we immediately open our doors. We don't wait for the neighbors to come to us and say, oh, you're new. I think it's easy to get that mentality of, well, I'm the new person. People come to me. No, we don't wait for that to happen. We just, we move in and we open our door and we we go out and we start inviting people to our table. And so the community aspect and, and just Getting to grow deeper with people is really what has, I think, allowed us to stay as strong as we are, even through some really difficult times. That's
0: amazing though, because I think that so many people would certainly think when you move to a new area and you know it's for a limited time. I've had plenty of friends in my life say this to me. Oh, well, I'm only here for a short period of time. So why really bother creating really deep and meaningful relationships da, 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 when, I, when I know I'm only going to be here for a year, whether it's going to university, whether it's moving somewhere temporary for work or work placement or something like that. Also, when you move to a new place, building community can actually be really hard. Depending on where you are, it can be more difficult than like if in the country to a big city maybe the different challenges one might be easier than the other I don't know but how do you keep pushing on if you're struggling to make community and connection in a new place
1: that's a great question because it is I it is so difficult I feel like it's never been easy for us um we're not like the people that open our doors and then we have instant best friends and everyone loves us so much. They want to come to our house all the time. That's that's never been, that's never been the case. In fact, when we were in South Carolina, it was, it took us about a year. Um, so we were there for three years and it took us about a year to really break through to get community. And it's just, the culture there is very different. The area we lived in, everyone had grown up together. I mean, they went to elementary school together. They went to college together. They're having babies together. And so it was really hard to break in because they already had created this really, you know, tight knit group of people. And so Jeremy and I would keep being, you know, being like, Hey, like come to our house for a meal. You know, we'd, we'd love to go and hang out with you all, but we just could not get through. And, there was a lot of prayer. We, you know, we prayed a lot and there were a lot of tears of just like, this feels very lonely. And even when we are hanging out with them, we don't really feel like we know them. And so that is again, when we really started just saying, you know what, we're bringing people to the table every night. Like we, we can't be messing around here. And so we just started bringing people to our table constantly. And, and by the time we left South Carolina, I mean, we had, been thrown the biggest going away party people were crying we I never would have guessed that from South Carolina because we just could not break through but it was a year of really I mean it took a whole year of digging deep and a lot of prayer and there were definitely times where we felt defeated and you know times where we're like is it is it us is there is there something wrong with us um but I think that I very much am a strong believer that God has you where he has you for a purpose. And I don't ever really want to be that person that is just like, I'm just going to tap out for the next three years or the next two years and just kind of coast and wait for the next place. Um, so I'm, gl- I'm glad we did that. It, it was hard. It by no means was easy or, you know, carefree. But that's the amazing thing about God is he walks with you through all of that.
0: Well, I'm encouraged and I don't know what. I mean, thank you so much for your time today, Brie. You've got so much life experience. I feel like we've touched on (laughs) different bits in the last half an hour. I really do appreciate your time. Before I let you go because you are the chef with the mostest and I'm I'm basically a big fan of the slow cooker, the, the crock pot, because I, I'm not a massive chef. And I also find that if you're trying to make food on a budget and we've all been through times in our life where we need to stick to a budget with our grocery yes. shop, the slow cooker is amazing because you just put a bunch of ingredients in. It's actually a really affordable way to make like amazing meals. But you haven't put out a cookbook yet about the slow cooker. Um, do you have any top tips for making the world's best best dish out of a crock pot. Because even oh. even like Chrissy Teigen she's all about the crock pot. So I'm thinking you must have some advice.
1: Yes, I actually am starting a series on my blog um that will have crock pot and instant pot recipes. Yes. That's yes. For me. That's and- for me. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> and I do have a recipe in my book called the easiest two ingredient roast. And that one has like soared in popularity because it's literally a roast and then a jar of pepperoncinis and a few garlic cloves. And it is, it is so tasty. It's so tender and it's very versatile. You can make tacos with it. You can make a burrito bowl. You can serve it with roasted veggies. And so people have really, that's the one recipe in the book that people have really like, just talk about. I hear about it all the time.
0: Well, that's good to know. Thank you so much, (laughs) Brie. I really appreciate your time and I really appreciate you being so candid with me and sharing some of your experiences. Um, For people to find out more about you and what you do and get a hold of some of your amazing recipes, where should they go?
1: The easiest place to find me is on Instagram, and I'm at Free, B-R-I McCoy, M-C-K-O-Y. And from there, you can get to my blog, which is OurSavoryLife.com. And on my Facebook page, which is also Our savory Life, is where I do my Facebook Live cooking videos.
0: So you're savoury not just in your cooking, but I think in the richness of your life as well, from what you've told me. So thank, <sighs> thank you very you so much, much for sharing. No, thank you very much. Thank you.
1: It was such an honour to talk with you. Thank you.
0: Huge thanks to Brie McCoy for speaking with us today. There's more soon, so do check back with us later for another conversation and be sure to subscribe so you don't ever miss any updates. And as always, get in touch on Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you most like to social with your thoughts on how today's conversation may have helped you or with suggestions of what you'd like us to talk about in future. Thanks for listening.